Welcome back to episode 14 of the Nourish Your Potential podcast. My name is Kushla and I'm a registered and accredited sports dietitian based in Canterbury, New Zealand. A recent poll on my Instagram story resulted in this question of should I train fasted being most popular. I will also do bite-sized episodes on the other topics including insulin resistance, REDS and celiac disease versus gluten sensitivity. In today's episode, I'm going to start by defining what fasted actually means, what happens physiologically when we are fasting, and then go through specific scenarios and considerations of when it may be appropriate to train fasted versus when it is not. Ultimately, keep in mind that you are unique, you're an individual, and although this episode may help with different considerations, you should still seek individualized advice if you feel unsure about what is appropriate for you. A few weeks ago, I actually made an Instagram post using a traffic light model trying to highlight some of the considerations of when it's okay to train fasted versus when it is not. If you want to check this out, feel free to go to kushlaholdaway underscore dietitian, but today I hope to discuss some of the points from that post in a little more depth. So to define fasted, if we look up the actual dictionary definition, it is something along the lines of abstinence from food or drink or both for health, ritualistic, religious or ethical purposes. The fasting may be complete, partial, lengthy or short duration or intermittent. But what you're probably all questioning is how long after a meal do we consider it to be fasting? Is it four hours, eight hours, 12 hours or more? Depending on what literature you refer to or recommendations, The time after your last meal that is considered fasting can be anything from 8 hours or more. Generally, most of us fast 10 to 12 hours overnight and for the sake of this episode I'll just refer to fasting with regards to getting up and training first thing in the morning and whether you should do that without food. So bear with me, I'm going to describe briefly the physiology of what's actually happening to our body when we are fasting. So fasting consists of the breakdown of lipids, so fats, proteins and carbohydrates to maintain blood glucose levels within a normal range. After an overnight fast, the main source of blood glucose is our liver glycogen. If you're not familiar with glycogen, simply put, glycogen is our body's reserve storage system of glucose that is put aside when glucose is not being absorbed into the bloodstream from our small intestine and being used straight away. Glycogen is stored in our liver and our muscles, and in the average person, the liver can store around 100 grams of glycogen, which could fuel about an hour or so of running, depending on the type of run and the intensity. And there's an additional 250 to 500 grams or so of glycogen in muscles. But of course, that can vary quite considerably between individuals because it depends on how much muscle mass someone has. After that period, we have something called gluconeogenesis, which kicks in. And it's a a metabolic pathway that occurs in our liver and also in our kidneys, especially during prolonged fasting. So getting up to that 24 hour mark or so and it allows glucose to be made from non-carbohydrate substances which is pretty clever so it makes it from 
specific building blocks of protein known as amino acids, pyruvate and lactate. Glycerol is another precursor in there and it's released by adipose tissue after the breakdown of triglycerides. So during fasting, the uptake of gluconeogenic amino acids by our liver tends to increase. And at the same time, ketones, which are our body's backup system when we don't have enough available glucose, are also released gradually into our bloodstream as well. Most of these changes are caused by reduced plasma insulin levels and increases in stress hormones and glucagon. When we go from a fed state to a fasting state, there are two pancreatic hormones that play a key role, which I've briefly mentioned. So these are insulin and glucagon. To a smaller extent, our stress hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline also play a part. I have many more episodes I want to do on diabetes and insulin, but trust me when I say the pancreas is an organ you do not want to mess with. Insulin and glucagon are basically opposites in terms of their roles in the body. Think of insulin like a storage hormone. So it will increase after a meal and decrease during fasting. Insulin is that magical key that unlocks cells and allows glucose to get from our bloodstream into our muscle cells, including cardiac and skeletal, as well as fat cells and liver cells. So when insulin is higher, we see increased glucose uptake and utilization. We see the production of glycogen, which I've talked about, and increased amino acid uptake and protein synthesis. When we are fasting, on the other hand, our blood glucose levels drop and this drop signals to our pancreas to then release glucagon. And this basically tells the body to start breaking down our glycogen stores and produce ketones, which then enables our blood glucose levels to stay within a normal range in people without diabetes. So when we are fasting, glucagon will be taking action and insulin will be low. And when we have just eaten a meal, insulin will be higher and glucagon will be low. So to come back to training in a fasted state, now that you have a better understanding of what's actually going on when we are fasting, it may just help add some depth as to why I outline when it's appropriate to train fasted versus when it may not be. Please keep in mind this episode is meant to be bite-sized and easy to understand. I'm not going to go into massive detail Otherwise, this episode could easily be an hour or more long. So to start with, when is it not okay to train fasted? Firstly, if you're injured, training without readily available fuel on board is not going to be helpful to healing your injury. So do be cautious and be extra, extra cautious if your injury is a bone injury, such as returning to training after a stress fracture. Secondly, if you're a female experiencing hypothalamic amenorrhea, or otherwise known as HA, no, it's not appropriate at all to train fasted. Training fasted places your body in a catabolic state, it increases your stress hormones, and it will not be helping you to return to having a regular, normal menstrual cycle. Simply put, Fueling with small snacks around your morning training can make an immense difference with regards to your cycle health. 
Next up, you are an athlete recovering from relative energy deficiency in sport, otherwise known as REDS. This is kind of self-explanatory as to why it's not appropriate to training fasted. Uh, you are currently struggling to have a healthy relationship with food. Training fasted and the mindset around this, especially if the training sessions are really long or high intensity, it's time to really stop and be honest with yourself about whether that is helping your mindset with food and body image. Are you trying to see performance gain whilst you're training at a high intensity fasted six mornings per week? Probably have a serious think about that. Uh, next up, if you get up to train and you're really hungry, then it's just eat. That's perfectly okay. Listen to your body, have a piece of toast before you head out the door. And lastly, if you are on specific medications or have health conditions that require you to eat or be cautious with fasted exercise. So as an example, people with type 1 diabetes may need to be more careful with the timing of their food, their insulin dosing and exercise. And there's also other medications out there. Um, as an example, one of the treatments for condition like ulcerative colitis called azathioprine uh, it's an immunosuppressant that uh, has really specific timing around when you need to take it with food. So it's it's situations like that that may need to have a bit more consideration. So when is it okay to train fasted? And it's basically the opposite of all of the above. So firstly, number one is that you don't have any of the uh, above points I've talked about where it's not okay to train. Next up is the type of session you're doing. So if you're heading out for a really easy zone one to two type session that's about 45 minutes or less in duration, then yes, it's okay to do that session fasted. Just to really briefly talk about zones, and this is probably more a running chat, um, something I would say is a really common mistake with many recreational runners is running at an intensity that is too hard to actually be honestly easy or or it's not keeping their heart rate low enough. So you see people go out and run at the same comfortably hard, not super hard, not easy, and they do that pace every day and they aren't doing the majority of their runs in a week at a conversational zone one to two pace. Your heart rate training zones will be individual to you and your physiology and your current fitness level. So I can't speak on what your actual ranges would be, but hear me out when I say go slow, slow down, take it easily. Like around 80% of your weekly volume, I mean, depending on you as an individual, but a good majority should be done at a super easy intensity. Honestly, most of my own runs in a week are at a really relaxed jog. Secondly, you are injury-free, you don't have any niggles, you're feeling healthy and strong. Next up, you're going to consume a nutrient-dense, well-balanced breakfast within an hour after finishing the fasted session. Don't continue fasting until lunchtime after a training session. That is not going to give you training adaptations. You'll probably just feel miserable and you'll likely overcompensate later in the day with increased food consumption, which again can backfire um, with food intake. Uh, you are someone with pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes working with a dietitian or specialist and they have discussed with you how to manage food and if appropriate your medication around doing some low intensity fasted exercise in the morning to enhance the overnight fast. 
you have a healthy relationship with food and feel really flexible with eating some mornings and not others and you just listen to your hunger cues and some mornings might be fasted and some not and that's perfectly okay. And lastly, you don't do all of your sessions fasted in a week. It may only be a couple of mornings where it's really practical and easy to do so and they are not your key high intensity or longer sessions. Hopefully that summarises and gives you some clarity as to when it is appropriate to train fasted. If, however, you still feel totally confused, that is okay. It is a very common question I get asked by people I work with. And although I've briefly outlined some examples and situations, it's not an exhaustive list and you are an individual with your own unique requirements and you don't necessarily fit neatly into one of the examples provided. Feel free to get in touch if you have any questions or would like to have a one-on-one consultation with me. Otherwise, that is it for today's bite-sized episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear feedback if you have any. I'm open to ideas, discussion, and I always like to challenge my own learning and beliefs within the nutrition space. I think it's crucial to constantly learn and keep an open mind in the nutrition field. On some upcoming episodes, I have Andy Good, one of New Zealand's running legends and coach. I have one of my own clients with a really inspirational story. I have a coast-to-coast legend and some more bite-sized topics including insulin resistance, gluten sensitivity versus celiac disease and REDS. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week.